Hello again, people of the internet. It's been a while since my last episode, and it feels great to be back at it. I hope you're all doing well today, and thank you for coming back to hang out with me again. For those of you who are new here, welcome to Start the Beat, a podcast documenting the past, present, and future of the Pittsburgh music scene. I am your host, Brian Sykes Howe, and today we will be talking with my friends and musical duo, Hemlock for Socrates. Before we get started, though, I just wanted to apologize for the minor audio quality issues with this episode. I moved into my new studio less than 24 hours before this conversation took place, and admittedly, I did not have any time to adequately address a lot of acoustic treatments that the room needed, okay? Most normal people may not notice anything at all, but some freak-ass listeners with a more refined eardrum may find some aspects of this recording distracting or unprofessional, and for that, I am genuinely sorry. The quality will improve as I record more episodes in my new space. Please be patient with me, okay? However, Despite its minor imperfections, today's episode with Hemlock for Socrates is an excellent conversation that I'm excited to share with all of you. So please sit back, relax, and let's start the motherfucker. So one of the things that I used to do when I was like an actual podcaster was like I had like an intro. I was going to say sing an intro song. I mean, I never really sang an intro song, but I had an intro and I would just like say some things. Um, actually, it used to go something like this. Hello and welcome to Start the Beat with Sykes. My name is Sykes and this is my podcast. For those of you who are coming back, Thanks so much. For those of you who are new to the show, welcome. Feel free to make yourselves at home. And as always, there's beer and soda in the fridge. That's how my intro used to be. But I don't feel as though it fully encapsulates what I want this show to be moving forward. Now, you didn't know this stepping into this. You know this. You know that you're the first people to record in this room. And I, moving forward with my podcast, I want to make this clear to mostly the people that are out there. This really doesn't apply to you because obviously you fall within the category and confines of what I want this show to be. I want the show to be specifically music focused, primarily Pittsburgh related. I That's how the show started. And then sometimes I would talk to people in bands that weren't from Pittsburgh and that's nice, but eh, whatever. You know, there's plenty of nice people here. And then some is great. Yeah. And then sometimes you start to have other people that necessarily aren't musicians on the show, you know, people that maybe like make alcohol or food or tell jokes on stage or art or art or things like that. No more. I don't want nothing to do with you. (laughs) No, I'm joking. But uh, this show now, its primary focus is going to be just documenting and highlighting the past, present, and future of the Pittsburgh music scene. That's what I want the show to be. So when people are like, what is your podcast about? I should be able to answer that question. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Just like whenever somebody's like, hey, what kind of band is Hemlock for Socrates? You should be able to answer that question, right? Yeah. Yeah. Segway. <laughs> no. <laughs> Hemlock for Socrates is on the show. Make some noise. Oh. Wow, oh, that's a that's a long sample. I actually meant there. to hit this button. That's how long that I haven't been. <laughs> you booed us. It's all good. I'm really, really sorry. Again, this is the first episode that I've recorded in almost a year. So thank you so much for being here and dealing with all of my needing to get the cameras and everything set up. I think we're looking pretty good now, though. It looks awesome. So, and thank you thank for having you so us. Much. This is really cool. So, I, I mean, I haven't forgot about this question. 
what is your band? What is our band? <laughs> that, uh, why, why have you done this? I mean, what, what genre? Yes. What kind of music? What kind is of music? Hemlock oh. for Socrates. Keegan, take it away. <laughs> uh, moody. Moody. The end. So for those of you that don't know my friends in Hemlock for Socrates, I would say that they are an electronic focused rock band that dabbles in the dark. But the cool thing about your band is that it is dark, it is moody, but it doesn't necessarily feel as though it's coming from a negative space. There's always oh, some sort of like, like a weird negative overtone from a lot of other artists in this genre and adjacent genres. And the thing that just I love about your band is that it's always been like more of like a mystery. I, I definitely think that mystery is part of what we're going for. So thanks for bringing that up. That's uh, that's pretty perfect, I think. I mean, we're not like the classic sort of goth that's like obsessed with vampires and death. It's more like, you know, sort of the dark side of the psyche, but also being ironic a little bit. Yeah. Humorous. Trying to like cut through to some important things that, people need to hear about maybe in a perfect scenario someone's art is like a reflection of who they are as a person that's like kind of how it should be it's not always that way i know that may be shocking to hear for some people out there but you know it should be a reflection of who you are and you know i don't know either of you all that well you know we've hung out quite a bit at different shows that we've been attending or playing together and things like that so i have a pretty good vibe of your energy and I would say that that energy that comes off in your music is how I feel about you two personally from what I know about you, where there is this like, I feel you know, seen right now. <laughs> it, you know, it's like, <laughs> that's you know, really great. I, I definitely, that is what I think we're trying to get across is that um, music is like the safe place to, to do that, reveal who you are. You know, I mean, I think like any of the yourself. arts, but music in particular has that really emotional, like sort of like hit, you know, more so than like a visual art. Yeah, totally. That um, it's about like how you're, the things that you're thinking about, the things that are running through your head, but you don't always get a chance to express them in everyday life. So music is like a, you know, a heightened version of yourself, I think, that I think we definitely are trying to, trying to get to. And the, you know, the other thing too, is that music or art, regardless of whatever your art form is, it doesn't have to be so one dimensional. And I find that sometimes in certain subcultures, you know, especially in the ones that lean towards darker things, there is this sort of tension to be one dimensional and you don't always come across people that are a little bit more comfortable with being who they are fully mm -hmm. like on and off stage. Mm -hmm. But me personally, I always find myself being way more intrigued and connected to people that I think are just more honest mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. on and off stage and not trying to I like, mean, that's hard. Totally. That's really hard. And I think um, a lot of people do shy away from that. And I think they're searching for that with music is trying to find a way to get, the things that they don't know how to express in everyday life out. So yeah, like you said, some, some say goth artists are not as good at getting to the heart of why they're making this type of dark music. And it kind of falls back on cliches occasionally. I don't want to put anyone down, you know, people are where they're at in life, but yeah, it, it's something that uh, I think is very important to us to try to get to the heart of. So, with all of that being said, why did Hemlock start to Hemlock? What were some of the things that intrigued the two of you to start creating art, music, and this work is, together? This is, these are tough questions. Yeah. Well, we were always in bands, I think, from way back. I mean, not like, you know, when the, Since infancy, the firmament no. <laughs> was separated between earth and water. Of but, course. Yeah. No. That's not, is that? When, when we're old enough to hold instruments. <laughs> but, 
but um no we we met in a band and there was a different band and then we did a period of not being in a band this is really an exciting story right and i then, mean it's a normal trajectory <laughs> a you yeah. know like what happens is is people start a project and then sometimes actually most of the time it doesn't work out for whatever mm -hmm. reason yeah for good reasons or bad reasons because you don't know who you are maybe right totally. away or what you want to do yeah. until you've tried some stuff out and then you make it yeah i mean we we were in a bunch of bands and we so sort of the last major project we were in back in texas was with um with two other people that um we felt really connected to and then you know like as you just said it kind of fell apart and we were like well we're not going to stop writing stuff we were both like doing the same sort of things he was playing bass i was playing guitar we were all involved in in writing but we were like well we're just going to keep doing it and then we were like we could get other band members or we could just try what just we ended up doing this newfangled thing the computer it's called the computer and yeah then, and you like know, adding synths and yeah. <laughs> and then we were like oh this is pretty great I don't know if we ever decided, okay, this is what we're going to do. It just, it just happened, you know. Completely understand. As you get older, it's always this like, why are we still doing this? Mm -hmm. But, you know, generally the best possible answer is like, I didn't even realize that we were doing this. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like I blinked my eyes, five years passed, and we were playing shows still. Yeah. And it seems like the, the two of you uh, enjoy each other's company. It seems like you the two. Of, it yeah. seems like the two of you work really well together. You seem to be rather productive. I think that you're both really interesting songwriters together, and I imagine individually as well. Thanks. It takes two to yeah. tango, as they say. Yeah. Well, and I think too that um, with two albums ago, Paper Animals, that was really sort of my first intro into writing lyrics for the band. It used to be basically Keegan writing all the words. And even though like, so the, the album, the barometrics and even the first one, which we won't mention because it's not good. No, it's fine. It's fine. Yes. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's slightly, it's embarrassing and is how naive it is, but you know, it, you it's probably fine. It. I did mention it. Shh, now you're gonna have to look it up. But that's no, all part no, of the, yes, dude, no, that's nope. all part of the creative process though. Yeah. It is. But uh, you know, I think, um, no one knew it existed until now. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so I mean, I had to get to a point where I felt comfortable enough to start writing the lyrics. And then that really opened up um, a lot of vistas for me, actually. And then starting to work more on production. So like writing and producing at the same time, which I think is a big part of where we're at now. Yeah. We have so many songs now that we've, we don't even remember like who did what, you know, it's like, did you write that, that? Drum track? I don't know. I mean, you wrote it, but then I came in and like changed it all up. Our collaboration has become very interesting over the years. So on a personal level, you know, you had mentioned that you were once upon a time in Texas. Mm -hmm. And now you're on a completely opposite end of the country. That's true. Is there any sort of a interesting story that you could tell that brought you up here? Or is it more just like life happened and this is where we ended up? I was in Texas to go to school and then we were just hanging out there after school ended. And we were like, it's really like hot. hot. It's, it's really hot, hot here. down there. <laughs> <laughs> and then too hot. Um, we had a kid and we were like, <laughs> we want someone else to please take care of this kid for us. Like, let's go closer to family. But we were like, we have no money. So how do we get there? How do we get closer to family? And so you found a job in Pittsburgh that was not really that close to family, but closer. Now we have people on the East Coast. So that was that was sort of the impetus there coming to Pittsburgh. And also, actually, when we were looking at Pittsburgh, we were like looking at like music, music scenes scene. and yeah. like it seemed cool. We were like, yeah, I yeah, think Pittsburgh. actually um, yeah. uh, Grand Buffet. 
Yeah, that was, was the reason we moved to Pittsburgh. Like, yeah, that was, that was really the reason. <laughs> <laughs> I heard like, some Grand Buffet cool. and I was like, yeah, there's probably some good stuff happening here if that's happening. And we were like, like a swing state? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Versus Texas, which is, you know. Sure. Not. Not. <laughs> yeah, sure. That's, that's all we'll say about that. Just yeah. not. <laughs> I remember meeting the two of you at the Smiling Moose at an event that I think Ben from Action Camp put together. And I was talking about podcasting or something. It was like some weird like cultural mixer thing. These were in pre-pandemic times. That was a cool event. What a cool event. And that was when I met the two of you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm always very intrigued by people that just come up to me and say hi. Because it actually doesn't happen that much. Right. Which is How like sad. at a networking event. I think yeah. you're the only two people that actually networked really? with me at that event. I'm not trying to be funny. That's like actually the case. But because of that, it's always left like a, it's one of those like first impressions last type of things. Well, I'm and glad it was a good one. It was a good impression. You know, it was like, you know. <laughs> not like, I, oh, who the hell was that? I think at the time you had maybe said that you were new to the area. Were you new to the area at that time? Or newer? Uh, maybe new maybe. to the scene? New to the scene, yeah. yeah that, I think yeah. we were just starting to play out. When was that? Twenty, maybe in twenty eighteen, eighteen or nineteen, somewhere in there. Yeah, um, I think we had played, yeah, yeah I think, a show or two, but we were just starting out. And I think I remember thinking about that event, like, oh yeah, we're gonna go and like meet people and see who's in the scene. And I remember we met people from Long Hunt, and Kai this was there. Mm-hmm. And like Weird Paul, first time we actually saw him in person, like that was that was a cool event. Yeah. yeah, that was very cool. But I remember looking the band up like afterwards and going on your band camp and being like, I even then I thought this was like really cool and unique and different. I wasn't expecting it to have like the dark undertones that it had just mm. because the two of you are so friendly. We were like, hi. <laughs> yeah. But I but also like that also is intriguing to me because I feel like I relate to that, you know. When the both of you were getting into music and this is this may be something that you have to answer individually because I don't know how old the two of you were when you met or anything like that. Maybe we can maybe you can share we that info. We met in high school actually. Cool. Although we didn't really know each other very well then. He was a year younger, so wasn't allowed to like chat with the, yeah, the younger, was, you know. No. Wow. Robin the cradle one year. <laughs> Salacious. So were wow. you both playing music or involved in any sort of like art scene at that time? When you mean when we first like when you first met? Yeah. Well, you said that you met like in a band or through music, right? Yeah, I was actually dating a different member of the band. <laughs> I was dating the drummer. Cool. And uh, the drummer was like, oh, you should join the band. I, I barely played guitar at all. Okay, so you were just starting out then. I was just starting out. And uh, it was, how would you describe, the, we were called Swing the Heartache. One person once described that band, uh, they were like, it sounds like an elephant walking. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't know if that's good or bad. Yeah, I don't know either. Um, I mean. That's mysterious. It was like a really cabaret, yeah, like sorta. sluggish, mopey, like. And then um, it got it got kind of weird and mathy after a while. Yeah, yeah. Blame that on blame that on DJ. Drummer was really into Rush. Mm. <laughs> Keegan, how long had you been creating music at that time? Uh, like zero days. Okay. Yeah. Zero days. Yeah. It was kind of like, yeah, you were the, you the, were just the singer, right? Yeah. You the premise of the else. band. You didn't even play bass. We had another, we had an upright bass player. Yeah. The premise originally. of the band was everyone who was in it was playing an instrument that they weren't good at. Yeah. Ever played before. Yeah. DJ okay. was a bassist and he was playing drums. I was a singer and was playing guitar. You were just starting out at everything. Yeah. I was nothing and I was you doing something. You were a baby, just a yeah. young baby. Well, if if you weren't doing anything and they wanted you to sing, I'm assuming you were hot. <laughs> I mean, look at him now. I mean. Absolutely. And he was younger. He was like 20 <laughs> something. So. So you were hot, which is a talent in its own right. Right. I think I weighed 120 pounds. Mm. Claim so, to fame, yeah. You know. <laughs> that's that's what everyone strives for, right? I guess so. Yeah, 120 pounds and 120 BPM. Yes. <laughs> it's the standard. 
<laughs> I weighed the right beats per minute. Yes. That's perfect. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, but you were asking us about why, you know, the darkness. <laughs> how did we start? How did we get there? I mean, I grew up loving Phantom of the Opera. Yeah. Uh, I hate to admit that, but, Yo, you know. Phantom of the Opera rules. It's like so cheesy, but. It's so good. It's all, it's also really good. Yeah. I mean, that's why I, I also loved like Erasure and Depeche Mode at the same time. So it's it, like maybe I where mean, we came from I think partially. So I don't want to get too sidetracked, but there is an interesting conversation to have when you're digesting art that other people have made where I can safely say that I'm pretty sure that Andrew Lloyd Webber is not a self-aware artist. Probably not, um, yeah. But I think a large majority of Andrew Lloyd's fan base is very self-aware. So it makes it kind of easier to be a part of that fandom of particularly his earlier work um, because like there is a certain campiness to it. But I find that intriguing because it's like an honest kind of camp. It's just like this dude is at that time is just mm -hmm. like a total cornball, but was so earnest in like telling these, yeah. you know, uh, pseudo autobiographical auto. Wow. Biographical. That's how you say it. Yeah. Autobi that's I think, but you know what I mean? I mean, obviously he's thinking he's a phantom in some way. With, yeah. I mean, definitely. for anybody that is knows about his personal life can well, probably I mean, I, attest to that. I think he probably came out of like the operatic tradition, which like all those guys were in that same place. Like I'm going to write this dramatic thing and wish it was me. I was going to say, so you, why <laughs> you, you, you were like, so his dad oh. owns like, a ton of synthesizers. I don't think his dad is musical at all. I mean, he likes like Bach and that's it. Oh, cool. That's it. But he owns synthesizers just because he's like a nerd and likes, you know, technology. And so, like so Wendy you, Carlos and Yeah, ben yeah. Gallus so you grew up like, you know, with synthesizers in the house. So I think when we first met or maybe right after like the band was like going, you were like writing these like super sludgy, slow, dirgy, depressing synth things that it was like, <laughs> you had lyrics too. I don't even remember what they were, but it was like, they were pretty cheesy. I was like, wow. Yeah, yeah. Super slow. So I think, you know, the band was like a new direction for you or something that, that original first band. But yeah, I mean that that's continued to this day where he'll write it an idea down and I come in, I'm like, we need to speed it up. <laughs> like it's at like 110, 140. <laughs> There's a lot of really interesting influence that isn't easy to pinpoint when I'm digesting your music as a listener. Mm -hmm. And I find that super duper fascinating. And I imagine since you've been alive for however many years it's been, and since you seem to be reasonably open-minded people, that you've exposed yourself to all kinds of music oh, yeah. throughout the years. Yeah, music. And I'm curious cool. like, what maybe some of the more unexpected things were. Like as you, as you like start to get older, maybe mm -hmm. you start to find yourself listening to things that you wouldn't have thought that you would like. Like, you know, um, I wouldn't have thought at, 37 years old, I'd be wearing a Brooks and Dunn t-shirt. But here I am, <laughs> unironically, wearing a Brooks and Dunn t-shirt. Yeah. So, like, what were some of the things that you discovered as you got older that you found? Like, you know what? Like, I do like this. And it starts to creep into your art. I mean, pop music is really the secret thing for me. Like, I really love, like, Blackpink and all the, like, K-pop out there. Okay. Like, I'm, I get sucked into that. I mean, we love so much stuff, though. I mean, I definitely went through a huge like classical phase in that I, that's what I went to school for. So, which I like to say I'm recovering from because that was very prescriptive, but I don't know, like you, you love uh, like some surprising hip hop and rap artists that when I first met you, like your love of Busta was really surprising. I was like, what? You? You love Busta? That, that doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't mm. make sense at all. Yeah. But I don't know. Yeah. What about you? Blue guess, Oyster Cult Blue is Oyster your Cult. secret hidden yeah. thing. Yeah. Can't give up on Blue Oyster Cult. 
I mean, you could, but yeah, yeah. Yeah. Why would you want to? I think uh, probably like uh, video game soundtracks in the last 10 years, like Disaster yeah. Piece, um, Lena Rain, like the Celeste soundtrack. Yeah. There's know. like a lot of cool, weird stuff happening there. Like it feels like, uh, at least for a while, like I feel like maybe it's a frontier that's as so often happens has sort of already closed up. But for a while, that was like a space where people were just kind of like doing crazy shit that like. Video games? Yeah. Let video game music. Yeah. I think what you had in that particular space is a lot of people that weren't classically trained that were trying to create compositions to act as scores in a very unconventional way. And then somewhere in the past 10, 15 years, you started to have like the, um, I guess we could call it like the laptop boom, where like the access to technology to create these things became a lot more accessible, free programs, free uh, virtual instruments, all of this stuff. And like access to sounds and qualities of sounds that, you know, I couldn't get when I was in high school. Right. I had no idea. And, I you know, no idea. the access to technology combined with, you know, younger people that just have fresh ideas that aren't classically trained, you're going to get some interesting chaos for a while. But yeah. like anything, when something does well, the vultures come in and just tear it to shreds. Well, it's like, that's like Black Midi. You ever heard about that? I've heard about that band. That's well, a band, right? No, it's just like a type of... The genre that that band... Took is their it, name from. Is yeah. it a band? Oh, I didn't know it was a band. There's, but it's, yeah, there's a band. It's and about they like, you know, are taking not MIDI like and that. like layering tons and tons and tons of stuff. So it's just like this wall of sound. Like the graphic, the visual of the MIDI is just black. Okay. Like it's like as many notes per beat as you can fit. Sure. Okay. As you can fit. I understand. I mean, it's not really music at, at some point. It becomes just like this artistic thing. But just like a sound. Yeah, definitely that happens like at yeah. you for a while. Like the computer and the, you know, VSTs and plugins, it's like Yeah. Yeah, and it's weird like that stuff like all. how, you know, then you do have people like say Philip Glass or um what's that the Steve Reich. Oh, Steve Reich. Yeah. Like this performance art music piece where Ooh, I can you see you by your face. You don't have four seen speakers, it. four now, like, if PA we had speakers two, we facing up. Yeah. <laughs> and the microphones connected to each speaker facing down. And people come in and just pull them and let them go. So they're like, oh, okay. Swinging. So, feeding so back. it's feedback. And it just like slows down. Gradually so slows really down cool. and become a tone. Yeah. And like that's a piece of music. Like the the high end art fancy pants stuffy stuff and the you know some kid in their basement are like coming at the exact same thing from completely totally. opposite directions and it's funny because a really interesting comparison to this is something that i'm seeing recently in the realm of food hmm. where hmm. you have like a nice restaurant french cuisine and then there is like mcdonald's uh-huh but now, most of the time, if I am out and about and maybe I want to check out a place, you know, I don't want to go to a chain restaurant. I want to see what the local place is doing. So you go at the local place and it's just like, oh, like this is their version of the Big Mac. Mm -hmm. You know, they're, they're trying to like make fancy yeah. junk food essentially. And that's become a thing now. Because at the same time, you have McDonald's. Yeah, or Taco like, Bell. You gotta love Taco sure. Bell. Sure. I mean, all of these fast food places look like they're Marriott hotels now. Yeah. yeah. They've lost, like, right. all of their charm. Yeah, yeah. the Wendy's you know? is like, there's, like, a fireplace. You're like, what the hell? Yeah, it's like, what is <laughs> this? going on why, like, It's like, they're trying to be nicer. Yeah. And then all of the restaurants that are charging $30 for a plate have, like, you know, the exposed brick walls and just, like, one hanging light bulb from a string and it's just like oh this yeah. is like fancy because it's it's stripped down right 
I mean, I it's think it's weird. like this like cultural kind of like implosion, right? It's like it used to be like wealthy people over here, poor people and like, you know, you never meet. But now it's like, oh, wait, like we're all kind of in like the middle here where like we've seen both sides like, oh, yeah, I mean, a McDonald's hamburger is not, you know, the end of the world sometimes. It's good. It has its own charm if you like that or Taco Bell. What is that sauce? You know? <laughs> kind you of know? like the fire sauce. <laughs> but like, you know, then you see the good food and you're like, oh, that's also really good. But like, just because they're different doesn't mean one is better than the other. The thing that is interesting to me about it is that it feels like everybody is abandoning their own identity mm. instead of just embracing that's like, okay, you are the nice restaurant. You are the fast food restaurant. Well, the maybe nice, they're the just nice questioning, the nice you know, restaurant like, doesn't who have to, am I? The nice restaurant <laughs> right? doesn't have to try to be more relatable. Mm -hmm. The fast food restaurant doesn't have to try to be more upper class. I've even seen the same thing in shopping malls where you can pretty much buy a Def Leppard graphic tee in any store in a shopping mall now. Yeah, don't get us started on that. That's annoying. That's like, like there's like whole, why are we obsessed with that era? I don't know. Every single store in the mall sells the same exact clothes now. Nirvana and it's just Yeah, and it's like, why even bother? Well, you know what it is? It's like America's like, who the fuck are we? Like <laughs> I mean, seriously, like we don't know who we are. We don't have like a clear history. And I think right now, you know, the same thing with like VSTs and everything being available on computer. It's like, oh, there's so much that, that you could choose from. So why, why choose any particular culture? I mean, I feel this too. I mean, we grew up, I lived in Arizona, Connecticut, Texas, New York, like, you know, and now I live in Pittsburgh. Who are you? I, no, but it, it, yeah. you know, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, who am I? Like, I'm not, I haven't said, like, I don't say yins, right? But like, I'm like, oh, that's cool. Like, you know, I say y'all sometimes, but it's like, it feels like I'm putting something on in order to choose like a culture, but it's because like our world is so expanded. Like on the internet, you can like see anything, you know, you could see over in Korea, you can see England, you can see like all these cultures and you're like, oh, I like that. I like that. It's like we can pick and choose now because it's so open. And I feel like that's that's um, maybe like what it should be in music. But what's surprising to me is when people don't do that, you know, like maybe what's more unusual is like, oh, I'm going to just play, um, you know, shoegaze. It's like, OK, like you're just going to pick that particular era. Like, why aren't you incorporating all these things that are available to you? Like, I feel like maybe that's where we're at with. The space that we both exist in in regards to music scenes, um, where it's like we're a part of our local music communities. And as a result of that, there's always kind of a rotating cast of characters, bands come and go consistently. And you kind of are always surrounded by people that are kind of still figuring it out. And for a lot of people, figuring it out is like a perpetual emulation stage. Like they're not, they don't even have, they never reach that breakthrough of like, oh, this is what I really want to yeah, do as an right? artist. Yeah. You know, they haven't figured that out for themselves. Like taking it all in and then making something new out of it. And it could be yeah. really hard too. I think for some people in some situations, depending on the environment that they're in and what I mean by environment is like the people the people that they're in bands with, like how much of their creative vision is allowed mm -hmm. to be heard in this band, how much of it is being suppressed, how much are they holding back? Maybe they have ideas and they don't think they're good. You know, there's, yeah. you right. get into a, a whole crazy web of things. Mm -hmm. I mean, I feel like we just happen to be people who lived in many places and probably that affected us. And I don't know, who knows, who knows what all the influences are, but. Yeah. Yeah. You just hope that people get to a point where they're like figuring out who they are and, and trying to get the best version of that into their music, because that I think is, is the most interesting thing about being an artist. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's, it's really about just being unapologetically selfish with your vision yeah. and your voice and your ideas. Something that I find really encouraging is that like, 
when I listen to a lot of music from younger artists that are popular for some reason, I get that. Why do people like this? Like, I don't understand it. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, that's actually kind of cool. This isn't for me, but I've never heard anything like this at yeah. all. Yeah. And like, that's cool yeah. to me because they're figuring out things and they're distilling stuff from their culture for their peers. And it's like, you know. Exactly. Like, where uh, are you at? You know, what are you listening to? Where are you in your journey? I mean, I think the trick is trying to be patient, you know, with with all the new artists and like, you. it's like you want to like, get in there and be like, well, you should do this, that, this, or the other. And it's like, no, you just got to let them hands off. Yeah. I mean, yeah, so much over the years, I've like stopped caring about what kind of music people are making. Mm -hmm. Intention is what I find interesting. Mm -hmm. My favorite genre of music is good intention. <laughs> and, you know, with the two of you, and as you've continued to make music, you've done several albums. On top of, you know, just having a normal life mm -hmm. and a family and all of these other responsibilities. There's always this question of like, why do you still do this? But the answer just seems we to be really to. simple. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, it's not like it's yeah. even maybe you two and myself are just in this really fortunate position where, you know, it's I'm sure there's always moments where the art feels like there is genuinely those like, what the fuck type mm -hmm. moments with yeah. this. But for the most part, I think that like, you understand that like the intention of it is good and there is a healthy release and escape that can be like a good or a bad word depending mm -hmm. on the context, right, right. but like a, a healthy escape from the pressures of everything, being able to basically create even more children in uh, in an art form. Yeah. Right? We have so many songs, so, so many that are unreleased. It's like, it's kind of nuts. It's like, we can't stop writing things that, I mean, the trick is like, trying to make them do something different, right? Not just repeating what we've done before. And uh, I mean, we're struggling right now with like, do we want to still play the same instruments? Like, you know, do we want to expand how we play live? Like, yeah, you know, bringing up more sequencers and maybe playing keys more on stage versus, you know, we have a lot of, you know, pre-recorded stuff. Yeah. And I think also like you were just saying how you can do so much now. Like you can do so much just as an individual. We're dealing with that where it's like one of us can have an idea and like before you know it, it's a song with like 20 tracks oh, and yeah. eight parts. And it's like, here you go. And the other person's like, uh, what do I do? And like figuring out like new ways to collaborate, to you know, sort of invent things together in ways that we haven't done before to, you know, sure, sort of keep that, uh, keep it going, keep it new. Yeah. It's almost as if the song is a side effect to a greater purpose that the two of you have together, mm. you know, where it's like, you know, continue. <laughs> Don't ask what that is though. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like, you know, you're, you know, there's this, genuine curiosity that seems to be there and this genuine search for learning and experiencing new things and that's, if you can get that's a, the sci-fi-ness of you, us if I you think. can get a yeah. cool song out of that great yeah but also like it doesn't really matter mm -hmm. like i've found myself at that point now where it's like it's always about trying out different things with different equipment doing different things live. Like everything that you're saying is yeah. super duper relatable yeah. to me. And it's like, of course the music's important, but it's like, it's about the experience. There's right? like yeah. the, the whole of making it of performing it of like being in it. Yeah. And that's the thing that makes like sharing my music with the world. So heartbreaking is that nobody will ever understand like the full story, you right. know, yeah. they're only going to understand that three and a half, four, four and a half, however long, however many minutes. And they're going to take their own interpretation of that and run with it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And you can never control that. No, you can't. Yeah. I think that's really interesting. Like thinking about what recording technology has done to the experience of music and 
how many people out there, like who is it that you were talking about who like just can't listen to live music because it's, it's not like the album. And it's true. There are like impediments. You go to a live show and it's like, there's this guy shouting in your ear and you're like, standing there. You're not moving. You know, forgot to turn the monitor, the mains oh, on okay. or like, <laughs> totally. you know, yes. like you're pissed off because the drink is watery or too strong or, you know, whatever, whatever you, it is. Yeah, the like, person that you wanted to go with isn't with you. Yeah. Like yeah. there's, there's all these impediments to a live show. And then there are the live shows where it's just like, incredible and it's like a transcendent experience and then you go home and listen to the album and, and you're, you're like, like oh that sucks <laughs> why did i buy this yeah. like it's not that there's nothing there it sounds flat and dead so yeah i find that it's really hard sometimes in certain genres of music um particularly for this example that i'm about to bring up in heavy metal mm. where it's really hard to trust a recording mm. because there's a lot of heavy metal albums now that are more electronic than a chemical brothers record. Yeah. You we know? were just hearing about that. What was it? The <laughs> drum they were replacement. Yeah. And, yeah. It's like the drummer plays the drums, but then they just replace the kick with like, you know, the a, good kick. a quantized yeah, kick. And you're totally. like, well, what the hell? Why did they bother recording the drums? But they didn't want Steve to feel like, he, you know, <laughs> it's like, so, you yeah. know, you, you have a lot of that, right? Mm -hmm. But I do think that the best thing is that there are artists where the album experience and the live experience are two different things, yeah. but it's actually great. Yeah. You know, uh, an, an example of that, a very hipster example of that would be Bjork. They're two completely different things, but that's actually something that's really cool. And I think that there are other artists out there that can have their live world and then their studio world and they just exist completely separate. And that's like something that I'm super interested in trying to do with my own music because I think that there's no reason why a live performance should sound like a CD is just playing. Mm -hmm. I want those imperfections. But also, I'm a studio nerd. I'm a gear nerd. I like production. I like, I like listening to not overproduced music, but I like hearing things that are recorded really well. Yeah. So yeah. I want to hear when it like... it sounds good. I like to hear like that. different versions of a song. It's almost kind of like an equivalent to like if you hear like somebody perform a song acoustic or you hear it done with like a symphony mm -hmm. or you hear yeah. like the the video game 8-bit version of it right yeah, like okay like there's this is the live version of it and then this is like the really meticulous studio version if it's a good song i would like to hear every single possible version of that song that i can right yeah a big thing that's been happening on youtube recently is people doing taking like video game sound fonts and like remaking entire albums out of them. Like somebody did like all of Metallica's Master of Puppets in the Sega Genesis sound font. Yeah. And it's fucking awesome. Like it is so good. But the main reason that it is good is because it because actually, the songs are good. It actually yeah. highlights all of the traditional songwriting elements mm -hmm. of those songs. And you're like, holy shit, like these progressions and these movements and these time changes are so fucking cool. Yeah. And like, sure, you'll notice it if you're just listening to Metallica do it. But if you like hear it like stripped down to just like 16 yeah. well, it calls bit digital sounds. To yeah. The, like yeah. sound craft, yeah. music craft. Uh, yeah. It's kind of like the total opposite. Do you know the advantage? Mm -mm. There's a couple of bands like this. Uh, it was in the 90s. It was like, you know, a four piece indie rock band set up that just did instrumental rock covers. Okay, yeah, of, so like the opposite of what we were just talking exactly, about. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Like, you know, Mega Man, and that <laughs> shit's hard. Yeah, like, totally. Yeah. Yeah, most of that was sequenced, so playing yeah. it on guitar is like Not impossible. normally yeah. possible. Like a lot of stuff where, you know, like the... They'd have to have two guitarists uh -huh. alternating because there's no way a human could... Yeah. It's really interesting how classical things inspire technology and then technology has inspired the traditional stuff. And it's just been in like this weird yeah, circle. Like in general, yeah, a loop. technology has really pushed metal 
in a lot of directions talking about that again, because the thing with like sound replacing drums and quantizing, that's not particularly new. Mm-hmm. You know, that's been happening for the past two decades easily in mm-hmm. heavy metal. Yeah. But what it has done is that it's pushed younger people that are listening when they start playing, they don't know anything about recording. They just think that that's how human beings play drums. Right. So there's actually like so young all kids that pressure now. On themselves. There's young kids yeah. now that can play like robots because they think that's what's normal. It's yes. like they're six years old and they're like, I'd like to learn how to swim. And it's like, all right, here's Michael Phelps. <laughs> okay, <laughs> sure. Yeah, that's yeah. your standard. I mean, the same could be said for for opera too. That's just the example that I think of too when you when you bring that up. That like it used to be, you know, if you listen to really old recordings of opera singers, not that great. But then it's like it got to this point where everyone was like just listening to that, listening to that. The recordings definitely affected how, you know, like, oh, well, if they did it that way, I've got to be able to do that. So like the level of, of skill just goes up and up and up. And then, yeah, I think it's kind of like, with the especially with the addition of computers and AI and like technology, like how can we like glitch this up? Because we're never going to reach that level of perfection. You know, it's kind of an interesting like like I'm not I'm not doing this. Yeah, you know? I guess I'm, you get the the rebellion the against, against that. that. Yeah. You know, and then that yeah. kind of informs uh, you know all the it, it kind of continues that cycle. You know, the the thing that has always bothered me in terms of like the the perfectionism. And like, I know everybody doesn't have this trait. You know how there's like a, some people like cilantro tastes like soap. For me, like overly quantized heavy metal recordings just sounds sterile. Mm -hmm. It sounds like everybody took all of the attitude and grabbed a Brillo pad and just made it as smooth as they fucking can. I feel that about other genres too. I mean, it's not just metal. I think definitely like, I mean, we've struggled with that actually because, you know, we we use MIDI a lot and it's like, sometimes you listen to the recording, you're like, like it just sounds so fake. It just sounds so sterile. Yeah. And so like, we're like, how do we like mess with that while keeping the beat and making it more interesting you know, we we definitely did a mix on the last album of like, you know, recording live cymbals, for instance, to try to give it um, a more real sound because, yeah, like. Some life. Just yeah. some life to it. It's yeah. like definitely. And I guess, yeah, also nice. like, where do you decide strategically to lean into that and sort of own the artificial electronic like, yeah. qualities. Robots, yeah. It's hard because yeah. and this is a story that I've told plenty of times and I apologize to anybody that is like not that I'm sorry, story again. Not this not the fucking Grey Walker <laughs> drum story again. But whenever we released the first Grey Walker full length album, we recorded it all, you know, microphones up against guitar cabinets, microphones on drums. Maybe a little bit of splish splash here and there to make things sound good as one does in the studio, but it was pretty like traditional. Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing it was only one comment, but just one comment of somebody saying that it so sounded that cheap, that the drums sounded cheap mm-hmm. because it just didn't sound modern. Uh-huh. And it's just like, this is what a real drum kit sounds like. See, but people for don't a, know how much yeah. money yeah. goes into <laughs> producing like high level music. It's like, it's like teams and teams of people. And I, it's so unfair as to like people starting out. Like, I don't know where you guys were at at that time, but like, you know, people just starting out like making recordings, like there's no way you can reach that level of like what we hear now in most recordings where it's like, produced and mastered by these super professional people that spend so much money on this. It's like, yeah, that would get me too. like, Oh, it sounds cheap. It's like, Oh, I mean, we got a comment about one of our albums that was like, Oh, they use presets in the, in the synths. And I was like, what? Like, fuck is that? You know, it's like what, because we use the same sound as what's on the keyboard. We didn't make our, we didn't like create our own. I'm sure the person knew that it was, Korg Poly 6 patch 32. 
I mean, I mean, everybody knows that, you know, you can hear it right now, right? Sure. I yeah. mean, I guess the pressure now is like, because you could do these things, you know, do you have both the knowledge and wherewithal to do that? And then do you want to do that? And then maybe do you not, are you purposefully choosing this because you like the sound or you don't know? And it's like, yeah, well, it's I mean, such a struggle. I mean, to me, that's the equivalent of like looking at a painting and being like, oh, like that's just red. That's just red. <laughs> like they didn't like. They just used oil paint. Yeah, like it's they like, didn't like. Fuck they you. Didn't, they didn't mix their own red. I could <laughs> yeah. tell that that's just like. Right. I'm like, so talking about classical music. What they're just playing a violin. Oh, how dare they do that? What it's like? Stop what me. because you haven't like explored the realms of what the violin can do? You're just playing like a straight note. It's not or even like a, a guitar. Like right? it's a guitar. Like oh, uh, they didn't use this pedal. It's like. Like, come on. At some point, you're going to repeat a sound that's been done before. Like, can't help that. And also, there's some people that I don't want to make happy. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm being completely what? honest. Like, yeah. any, like, anybody that is, you know, that is digesting art with that sort of an expectation. I mean, we were playing a show at the bridge and one of the people in the audience, like, walked by and was like, what genre are you? Like in the middle of a show and it's like, why can't you, you can't think of that yourself? Like, it's not a little bit rude. I mean, it was also like a semi a compliment because they couldn't figure it out. But then it was like, really? Like, why is that important? Yeah. What are you, what are you going to do with that information? Yeah. Like, oh, it, you know, oh, if we, if we say this, then you're going to like it. If we say this, you're not going to like it. Like, totally. you can't decide for yourself how you like it. I mean, I think categorization is like a, normal it's a human it's humans thing do. like yeah. we i mean you can't help it we like to invent abstractions like words and then put things in those little buckets yeah i mean science have you seen science <laughs> it's all about like we must categorize the world yeah like down like, to the last little uh, tiny thing deer is related to this thing and like you know the the buckets touch and then they find out that actually they're not and <laughs> they have nothing to Mine's do with each blown. other and yeah you have to reorganize yeah so categorizing is, is normal but it's it's like when you take it to the extreme if you i mean so you can't like something that's not you know yeah. in this one particular category that's kind of mind-blowing and it's it's like problematic like in relationships and like with people like it, it just made me think of that like whole it was an NPR thing about trust and the idea that like that you trust someone and you trust them because they just haven't done something unexpected yet. They haven't broken. Yeah. Your expectations your of, of who, they, who are. they are. Yeah. Sure. But they could. You have no idea. So after, you know, all of these years that the two of you have known each other and the two of you have been creating art together, they're still is no easy way to answer the first question that I asked you an hour ago. In Which terms was, of what was the question again? What is? What is Hemlock for Socrates? Yeah. I mean, I guess it's just an exploration of um, who we are, you know? I, I don't know. Yeah. And I would say that over the past hour, we've learned quite a bit about the both of you. <laughs> That's good. So let this, good. let this conversation be a, Permanent edition. Goes down on your permanent record. <laughs> Let this be a a permanent edition and a perhaps extended explanation of what the band is. And the next time some silly little ding dong at a performance asks you, what kind of music are you? What genre is this? Say, hey, have you ever heard Start the Beat? <laughs> check it out you can listen to our episode and learn more there this is perfect yes good segue very yes. good so everybody out there please <laughs> make some noise for hemlock for socrates for coming out today <laughs> thanks thank you be sure to check out their music on i imagine most major digital All platforms. platforms yeah although we like Bandcamp because you know they're so kind to us and title because you know jay-z oh, yeah title title you get point zero 
0.1 instead of 0.0001 per stream. So that's good. That's good. Yeah. With that being said, that is all, folks. Oh, wow. Just like I haven't recorded an intro in almost a year, I haven't recorded an outro in almost a year. So let me see if I can remember the original outro. And then I will consider any possible modifications that I want to make to this. Okay. I believe it used to be something a little annoying. Like I would get a little riled up and be like, and that is all folks, which I kind of hate that voice, but let's roll with it. And that is all folks. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed our conversation. I'll be back again next week with another same time, same place, same channel. You know the drill. My name is Sykes, which I don't want anybody to ever fucking call me Sykes. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> name, you should take that out of the outro then. My name is Brian. <laughs> but you call me whatever you want. Just call me. Um, <laughs> so yeah. So, okay. So my name is Brian. You know what it is. Start the beats the show. It's not about me. It's about them. Thanks again to Hemlock for Socrates for coming out. I will be back again next week with another episode, having another great conversation with another great artist from our lovely city of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So I hope you will join me. And until then, take care of yourselves. Take care of the people around you. Peace. That seemed healthy. That was good. Yeah, that's perfect. Great. <laughs> Go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're done. And that was today's episode. Once again, thank you all for sticking around to the end. The conversation's done, but you're still here. So what should we do? What do you want to talk about? I don't know. I can't hear what you're saying to me. That's not the technology that we're dealing with right now. But I will say this. Today's show has not been sponsored by anyone besides myself, since I'm the one fucking paying for everything around here. And there's a very good chance that there will not be any sponsored episodes in the near future. However, I was thinking about this idea of just shouting out local businesses anyway. You know, things in and around the Pittsburgh area that I support personally, places that I like, and things that maybe I would like to tell people about. So today, we're going to start with a really cool little restaurant slash bar that's right around the corner from where Normal Creatures practices over in Etna, and it's called The Rear End. If you've never been there, you should definitely go. The food is always pretty fucking decent. Their beer selection pretty fucking decent. All the employees I've ever dealt with there, pretty fucking nice. Easy to park, affordable. Support them if you can. And while we're at it, well, I'm talking about a restaurant around the corner from the Normal Creatures practice space. I suppose I could use my platform and your time, since you're still here listening, to promote this show, the Normal Creatures Halloween party, in case you missed it going to be happening October 28th. It is Halloween weekend, the Saturday before the big day out at Preserving in New Kensington, which is another local business that I will very likely be talking about in a future episode in greater detail. We are going to be performing a live soundtrack to the 1922 silent film Nosferatu. We did this back in July at 222 Ormsby, and a lot of people that wanted to be there weren't able to make it, so we're doing it again, a little bit bigger, a little bit more refined, on a more grand scale for the glorious, glorious holiday that is Halloween. So please consider coming on out to that again. Saturday, October 28th at Preserving in New Kensington. We're going to be on the main stage. For those of you that are familiar with the venue, we will be upstairs in like the main chapel room, the big stage. It's going to be really cool. For those of you that don't know 
Uh, this place is located inside of an old church building. It actually houses three different stages, the main stage, the underground stage, and the DIY room, as well as easily the best record selection, record shop, and like underground music collectible place that you will find probably anywhere on the East Coast, if not the country at this point. Just saying they got a lot of shit if you're into collecting records, CDs, tapes, old merch, all kinds of shit like that. Really, really cool. But yeah, that's where we're playing. And the lineup consists of Normal Creatures, Fuck Yeah Dinosaurs, who are friends of the show, Whorehound, who are friends of the show, Greywalker, my metal band, and also you probably know that already. I didn't need to say that, but for those of you that don't, there you go. As well as Old Game, who are also friends of the show. And when I say the show, I mean the podcast. And when I say friends, I mean they've been on the podcast before. And most of them, actually all of them, are going to be on it again sometime soon. So be sure to check out the calendar that I have posted on our social media with all of the episodes coming up for fall 2023. And that is all I have to say about that. Quite enough rambling. Thank you for sticking around. Hope you all have a good day out there. Take care of yourselves. Take care of the people around you. Peace.